Genesis chapter 47. So Joseph went and informed Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their sheep and cattle and all that they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in the land of Goshen. He took five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh asked his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants, both we and our fathers are shepherds. Then they said to Pharaoh, we have come to live in the land for a while because there is no grazing land for your servant's sheep. Since the famine in the land of Canaan has been severe. So now, please let your servants settle in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Now that your father and brothers have come to you, the land of Egypt is open before you. Settle your father and brothers in the best part of the land. They can live in the land of Goshen. If you know of any capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Joseph then brought his father Jacob and presented him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many years have you lived? Jacob said to Pharaoh, my pilgrimage has lasted 130 years. My years have been few and hard, and they have not surpassed the years of my fathers during their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and departed from Pharaoh's presence. Then Joseph settled his father and brothers in the land of Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food for their dependents. But there was no food in that entire region, for the famine was very severe. The land of Egypt and the land of Canaan were exhausted by the famine. Joseph collected all the money to be found in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain they were purchasing. And he brought the money to Pharaoh's palace. When the money from the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan was gone, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die here in front of you? The money is gone. But Joseph said, Give me your livestock. Since the money is gone, I 
will give you food in exchange for your livestock. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for the horses, the herds of sheep, the herds of cattle, and the donkeys. That year, he provided them with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came the next year and said to him, We cannot hide from our Lord that the money is gone and that all our livestock belongs to our Lord. There is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we die here in front of you, both us and our land? By us and our land in exchange for food. Then we, with our land, will become Pharaoh's slaves. Give us seed so that we can live and not die. And so that the land won't become desolate. In this way, Joseph acquired all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh because every Egyptian sold his field. Since the famine was so severe for them, the land became Pharaoh's. And Joseph moved the people to the cities from one end of Egypt to the other. The only land he didn't acquire was the priest's portion, for it was given to them by Pharaoh. They lived off the rations Pharaoh had given them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Understand today that I have acquired you and your land for Pharaoh. Here is seed for you. So sow it in the land at harvest, you are to give a fifth of it to Pharaoh, and four fifths will be yours as seed for the field and as food for yourselves, your households, and your dependents. And they said, You have saved our lives. We have found favor in our Lord's eyes and will be Pharaoh's slaves. So Joseph made it a law, still in effect today in the land of Egypt, that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. Only the priest's land does not belong to Pharaoh. 
Israel settled in the land of Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property in it and became fruitful and very numerous. Now Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, and his lifespan was 147 years. When the time drew near for him to die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand upon my thigh and promise me that you will deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt when I rest with my fathers. Carry me away from Egypt and bury me in their burial place. Joseph answered, I will do what you have asked. And Jacob said, Swear to me. So Joseph swore to him. Then Israel bowed in thanks to the head of his bed. Then Israel bowed in thanks at the head of his bed. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 38. Many have the gospel according to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 38. Many have the gospel according to Luke. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abihaz division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in their years. When the division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot 
according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled. And overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. While still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him. In the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel, For I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in which will be fulfilled in their proper time meanwhile the people were waiting for Zechariah amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary when he did come out he could not speak to them Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in those in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, 
And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But this was deeply, but she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, God. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Job chapter 13. Look, my eyes have seen all this. My ears have heard and understood it. Everything you know, I also know. I am not inferior to you, yet I speak, yet I prefer to speak to the Almighty and argue my case before God. But you coat the truth with lies. You are all worthless doctors. If only you would shut up and let that be your wisdom. Now hear my argument and listen to my defense. Would you testify unjustly on God's behalf? Or speak deceitfully for him? Would you show partiality to him? 
would you show partiality to him or argue the case in his defense? Would it go well if he examined you? Could you deceive him as you would deceive a man? Surely he would rebuke you if you secretly showed partiality. Would God's majesty not terrify you? Would his dread not fall on you? Your memorable sayings are proverbs of ash. Your defenses are made of clay. Be quiet and I will speak. Let whatever comes happen to me. Why do I put myself at risk and take my life in my own hands? Even if he kills me, I will hope in him. I will still defend my ways before him. Yes, this will result in my deliverance, for no godless person can appear before him. Pay close attention to my words. Let my declaration ring in your ears. Now then, I have prepared my case. I know that I am right. Can anyone indict me? If so, I will be silent and die. Only grant these two things to me, God, so that I will not have to hide from your presence. Remove your hand from me. And do not let your terror frighten me. Then call and I will answer. Or I will speak and you can respond to me. How many iniquities and sins have I committed. Reveal to me my transgression and sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Will you frighten a wind-driven leaf? Will you chase after dry straw? For you record bitter accusations against me and make me inherit the iniquities of my youth. You put my feet in the stocks and stand watch over all my paths, setting a limit for the soles of my feet. Man wears out like something rotten, like a moth-eaten garment. First Corinthians chapter one. Paul 
called an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will and Sosthenes, our brother. To God's church at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called as saints, with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of God's grace given to you in Christ Jesus, that by him you were enriched in everything, in all speech and all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I urge you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions. among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers, by members of Chloe's household, that there is rivalry among you. What I am saying is this, each of you says, I am with Paul, or I am with Apollos, or I'm with Cephas, or I'm with Christ. Is Christ divided? Was it Paul who was crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say you were baptized in my name. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to evangelize, not with clever words, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is for the message of the cross is foolishness 
to those who are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. Where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of the message preached. For the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. But it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. The one who boasts must boast in the Lord. 